Are you feeling stuck, lost, tired, or uninspired? We've all been there, including myself. I'm Coach Des, mindset motivator and lifestyle entrepreneur. I'm here to tell you that the best, unapologetic, and limitless version of yourself is yet to come. The Born Unbreakable podcast is here to inspire just that. With motivating guests from all different walks of life and around the world, their stories will empower you to unlock abundance and your unbreakable spirit. Do you need accountability? Reach out to me for a free consultation of how I can support you in reaching your maximum potential. This episode is brought to you by Sherpa Way Marketing. Are you a business looking to gain greater visibility online through search engine optimized content? Maybe you need effective ad campaigns to kickstart or bolster traffic to your website. Sherpa Way Marketing has seasoned experts that are bilingual in English and Spanish. Let them take the guesswork away and enhance your brand positioning with their comprehensive marketing services. Go to SherpaWayMarketing.com. That's S-H-E-R-P-A-W-A-Y marketing.com to schedule your free 45-minute consultation today. Welcome to the Born Unbreakable podcast. I'm your host, Coach Des, and I have a very exciting episode for you. For one, I particularly am in a good mood because it's nearly the weekend for me. And for my guest, it's been like, the most extended version of a weekend, um, which we'll, we'll get into here. But today, I have Roger Williams with me, and this may arguably be one of the most inspiring episodes because I don't think I have talked about the subject of a gap year. And we'll talk about what that means if you've never heard those words before. But Roger uh, is a lot of things. He's a writer. He actually podcasts himself, so he knows a thing or two about this world, which I always have an appreciation for because, you know, it's actually, it's a lot of work. So, you know, um, I always feel good with when I'm with a fellow comrade. He's an adventurer, which we'll learn more about today. And this is the most exciting title that Roger has. He's a head crosser offer okay, of his bucket list. And so, you know, after 30 years of being in the industry of youth development and teaching, uh, and then quarantine happened, which we've all had the luxury of experiencing. (laughs) I say that tongue in cheek. Um, Roger actually had experienced two heart attacks, which is, I, I would say, an awakening um, more than once. And, and he decided to embark on an adult gap year and prioritize himself, his relationships, the adventures that he wants to go on. And that's exactly what he's been doing. So he's been traveling and in his travels and in his experiences, he takes time for opportunities like this to inspire others and talk about this because, um, you know, I think this is something we maybe all fantasize about somehow, <laughs> and Roger's actually living it. Um, but I'm I'm really grateful for you taking the time today, Roger, to to you know chat with me. So thank you for being here. Oh, Coach Des, thanks for having me. I appreciate the opportunity, and I hope that I can bring something positive to your audience. 
Yeah, no, this is great. Well, before we talk about the fun stuff and and how you got to this gap year and what you're doing, I do want to know more about your background. So obviously, you've you spent 30 years developing a career, doing what I think many people can relate to, putting your head down, working really hard, doing your best to make an impact. So what what did that look like for you? Uh, I worked in the youth development field, so I was a youth pastor, I ran a nonprofit, I uh, became a teacher later on, um, I did all sorts of things to help young people um, be successful in life. My final position before I quit to go on this gap year was uh, with a college where I was um, <clears throat> involved in a TRIO program, which helps high school students that are first generation or um, low income, get into get it, be successful in high school, get into college, and and have the skills to complete college. So that's what I was doing for about the last five years, um, and the last year of that was during year and a half of that was during the pandemic. So that's what I was doing before uh, all this stuff happened to me. Wow, yeah, and I mean that's such a noble thing for any anybody i mean particularly doing the during the pandemic i feel like there's so many parents who assumed some sort of teacher role and they had a newfound appreciation for what teachers are actually doing every day and said holy crap this is hard i didn't sign up for this because everybody yeah. was sort of sharing that responsibility so um whether people signed up for it or not they were doing a little bit of that over this last and arguably even today are doing <laughs> doing some of that because we're not yeah. really past all of this yeah yet. and that's probably a big chunk of why i made the choices that i did over the last year or so because in our society, we're taught to learn to find our self-worth in our employment. So wherever I sell my labor or whoever I sell my labor to, that becomes my self-worth, my identity. And it's worse even for teachers or nurses or people like that who society says, oh, it's, it's, you do a wonderful thing. Like just, you just said, right? You do a wonderful thing. It's so noble. And you should get so much out of that doing it. And it's like, I did, but at the same time, I'm more than that, right? I'm more than just how I sell my labor and who I sell it to. Mm -hmm. And I didn't want to answer that question, what do you do anymore, by saying those things. I wanted to be able to say, <clears throat> I cross things off my bucket list. Um, that's what I wanted to be known for. I could, I might still have a job after this year's over, this gap year's over, and I might have to go back to the workforce. But what I really want is to be able to say, even then, that what I do is I cross things off my bucket list. That's freaking awesome, Roger. <laughs> but you know, you know, it's this is what's hilarious. Okay, when I do my interviews, I always like asking questions at the end that are broader, that give people some perspective, and I do ask the question, "What's something on your bucket list?" Why do I do that? Because mm -hmm. I want people to keep dreaming. I want people to make it a reality because that's why they call it a bucket list because they're like, well, you don't get to it until later when before you kick the bucket, that's where the whole terminology came sure. from. And, and so that there's, that's the interesting story behind it. But the truth, and I think that's, that's a great thing for us to talk about today is it, it doesn't have to be that way. 
It doesn't have to be when you're like, oh my gosh, the clock is ticking. The uh, the little hourglass just turned over and all the sand is is about to dissipate. And and I I only have this much time to get the things that I want in life accomplished. That's, yeah. Mm -hmm. And for me, it's, it's uh, a much bigger issue because we, in our society, we tell people, especially young people, like your job is to go to school, get good grades so you can go to a nice college, so you can get a nice job, so you can buy stuff. And, and there's nothing necessarily inherently wrong with that model except that last piece, right? That, that if we're, all we're ever doing is buying stuff and accumulating things, um, what gets sacrificed in that is experiences and relationships, really, or the, the chance to, to build relationships. And so I try to tell young people as much as I can, you know, take your time, figure, figure out what it is you want to do. What do you want to be known for? Because when you start getting into that money trap of working and having to maintain a job and um, do all those things that, that society tells us we need to do, you start losing the ability to, to do what you just said, right? It winds up being at the end of our lives. You know, gap year traditionally, in a sense, is for young people who take a year off either between high school and college or between college and going to work to kind of find themselves. And it's amazing to me that a lot of people don't know that Harvard has been sending a letter to every admitted incoming freshman every year since 1975 saying, we will hold your acceptance for a year if you want to take a gap year. Gap years are traditionally, you know, very much part of the traditions in Europe and, the, and those places. And so it's something in the States, we just don't, it's not a rite of passage that we have built into our system. And so for me, my adult gap year isn't necessarily about finding myself, but it's like you talked about, it's like I'm 52 years old and now I have to make up time for all those years that I, that I sacrificed my time for other things, whether it was family or job or whatever it was, I'm, I'm doing this to make up some, some lost time so that hopefully I have several more years to go <laughs> before I kick that bucket and I won't have to cram it all in in one space. But if you can start early in life and kind of make choices in a way that allows you to prioritize experiences and people over things, um, I think that we, we'd all be a lot happier <laughs> in how we live our existence. We'd probably be, even be better employees probably too. Well, I couldn't agree. <clears throat> I couldn't agree more. And you are today where? I am in Matera, Italy. Uh, the best way to describe where Matera is because not a lot of people know where it is. It's about 45 minutes from the arch and the boot at the bottom of Italy. So I'm not on the water. I'm inland. It's uh, very arid and, and dry. If you've ever seen uh, The Passion by Mel Gibson or you've seen the latest James Bond movie, um, you've seen Matera without knowing it. But yeah, so that's where I'm at currently right now in, in my eighth week out on out on. I wouldn't say roads, but the planes. <laughs> so, yeah. That is so cool. And, you know, <clears throat> I'm, I was thinking about what you said um, about being happier. Mm. You know, when we're, we're, we're leaning into the things that we want to prioritize, that are experiences, relationships, people, those are the things you remember, mm -hmm. you know, 
interestingly enough, I don't know that your memories are all of the things that you acquired. You know, it's not, it's not like you sit there and go, oh my gosh, when I bought this and I bought that, I mean, maybe some people do that. Um, but what, what you take with you, you know, in terms of having memories that you cherish, maybe that's a better way to, to say it. Mm-hmm. You cherish people, you cherished places that you see. I don't know that, you know, you cherish the, that luggage piece that was $2,000, you know, that was just so yeah. cool in that moment that you bought it. Um, so it's all perspective. Sure. Know, I think it's, it's, it's perspective. And I think with time and with new experiences, you gain, you gain broader perspective. Um, but I, I'm curious, what are some of the things that you're learning as you've taken this time for yourself? Uh, I've learned that Nutella is really good. Um, I always was afraid of Nutella, <laughs> but Nutella is fantastic. Um, seriously, though, I, you know, one of the biggest things is that as I've taken on what some would call a bucket list life, right? That I'm not, I'm prioritizing the doing things and and having experiences over having possessions that they're winding up to be a lot of things that I get to experience that weren't even on my bucket list. It's I've had this strange feeling of like being able to do these certain things that it's just like, Oh, I probably should have had that on my bucket list. <laughs> now, what do I do? Do I put it on there and then cross it off or just not worry about it? Or, you know, it's that a little bit of a dilemma, but it's not that big of a deal because I, I get to experience all these really cool things. I was in Northern Italy for a month and and I went to Milan to visit some friends and I got off the train and there's this huge banner for a Banksy art exhibit. And I love Banksy's work and, and, and it's very, for me, it's very inspiring and I've always wanted to see it. And I was just like, Oh my gosh, I get to see Banksy's artwork. I um, had to get a, a suit for a funeral a couple of weeks ago that I had to run back to the States for. And I, got a, an extremely well-tailored handcrafted Italian suit <laughs> that that probably should, you know, having a tailor fitted suit probably should have been on my bucket list. Um, but it wasn't. And, but I got one. Um, I wound up here in Matera and was walking around the town and all of a sudden I run into these like six crawl around the town. If you do this loop, there's these six Salvador Dali sculptures just in the middle of this town. And it's just like, he's Spanish. Why is this town have these six Salvador Dali, you know, amazing pieces of artwork just randomly here and I get to see them. So I think it's that ability to, when you open yourself up to uh, how hokey the sounds, but what the universe provides or can provide that your life becomes a lot more full and you get to experience so much more than even what you planned. Um, I think that's one of the major things. I think the other major thing is um, is uh, learning to stroll. Uh, um, I've, I've come accustomed to loving that word. You know, I walk everywhere. I don't have a car. I usually walk or I'm flying. And so, or riding a train. And so, but walking in these European towns is, is very normal um, where in the States, we're like, we get in our car at our door, we go to the door of wherever we're going, we get out of our car and go into the door. We're like, there's no in-between, there's no, the pace is, is always seems to be a little bit frantic. 
but in my time here, it seems like I just get to stroll and, and I get to take the time to look at things and see things that if I was going a mile a minute or going door to door from location to location in a car, I never would have seen. I walked by this church the other day and there's just these uh, skulls carved into the stone on the side of this church that are just incredible and probably, you know, hundreds and hundreds of years old. And it's just like, if I was, if I was walking fast from my mindset was I'm getting from point A to point B, I would have missed everything in between. And so I, I I'm learning to love to stroll. Um, it's yeah. been a lot of fun. That's a different mentality. And you, mm-hmm. you, could not be more spot on in terms of the functioning of how people are in different, even even culturally, because mm-hmm. in America, and I'm a consultant, so I travel for the last 17 years. I've worked in different places. You know, I have an appreciation for all the different parts of our country, but uh, you pretty much are just, you're going. You have a destination, you want to get there, you, you, you will hop in an Uber or a rental car, you would like to be very efficient, you want to figure out the least amount of time it's going to take, and on top of that, you are multitasking. If you are right. not on the phone, sending an email, responding to something, you're not productive, therefore, you're just trying to fill up your time. So you're missing all kinds of things because you're doing all of this while you're just trying to get to where, where you want to go. And um, that, that's a, such a big reminder for us about being present, being mm-hmm. present and actually enjoying what's around you. And, um, and you, and you yeah. can schedule that, right? I mean, I think that's the biggest issue I have with how we operate and function in the West as far as our vacation time and those kind of things. Like, I, like before I came on this trip, people were like, oh, are you going to do this? Are you going to do that? Are you going to see this? Are you going to see that? And it's just like, I, I might. <laughs> you know? uh, I was in Rome for a day, and I, I think I walked like 10 miles or something like that in a day. And I just went to all the different, you know, I went to the Domo, I went to the, um, the Coliseum, I went to some of the tri- Trivi Fountain, I, you know, I went to all the places you're supposed to go. I, I took selfies and I just kept walking, right? Yeah. <laughs> because yeah. because those, I knew that those things might be important for people back home to see that I did them. But for me, it's just like, I, it was hard for me to explain that I'm not, I'm not trying to be a tourist, right? Mm-hmm. And, and I think a lot of times in our mentality in the States, uh, we carry over how we work, just like you were talking about, Des, that, that we plan every single moment. Right, and and we pack our itineraries so that we can get that maximum amount of exposure to the things that everybody else thinks we need to see, mm-hmm. or has told us that we needed to see. And I think that if we can just slow down just a little bit in in that process, you know, every piece of paper has margin on it. Right? <laughs> the portion where you don't. <laughs> oh my gosh! There's a reason for that. Be you know cramped, but if we can slow down and say, okay, I'm not going to, you know, jam pack this itinerary, and I'm going to allow for space. Uh, I think that's a huge thing about intentionally traveling. Um, mm-hmm. We're hearing that a lot now about intentional travel, and it's intentional travel doesn't mean you have a full itinerary. It means you're intentionally going someplace to to be in that space and intentionally allowing yourself to 
whatever comes at you comes at you. And I think that that's something that we need to learn, not just for our vacationing, but even for our work life and all those things. It was one of the things that kept haunting me about when I was after my heart attacks, who am I, what am I doing? You know, what's my life like is that we, we hear all the time from corporations and institutions that we need to have work life balance. And I'm sorry that that's, that's BS. It's a lie. Corporations and institutions do not want us to have work-life balance, right? Because there's no way that the 40 hours or 50 hours I sold you, right, to, to earn money can equal after sleep the 70 to 80 hours I have left in my life. And the reality is, is that most of the time in our work, that starts to creep into those, those 70 hours, so 70, 80 hours, whether it's a nurse who's too tired to, to after a 12 hour shift to even move that, you know, just goes home and collapses on the couch and can't, you know, give the attention to her family that she wants to give them or a teacher who has to bring work home because there's so many demands and there's not enough space in a uh, schedule for a teacher to, to do the work during those hours. They have to take that home and that eats into the time or just sitting in bed trying to fall asleep and like your brain moving at 10,000 times a minute to thinking about what's going to schedule tomorrow. What, what do you have to deal with in your job tomorrow? And so there's, there is no work-life balance. And what we really need, and if, and if institutions and corporations cared about us as employees and workers and what we provide them and our labor, they would want us to have work-life boundaries that we would be able to have space to say, okay, I'm, I'm done. I sold you my 40. That's, you know, I don't, I don't buy a, a PlayStation or an Xbox and get new games for free. I still have to pay for those games. And, and the labor force should also be able to say that to their employers, be able to say, okay, look, this is my boundaries. And I'm not going to go past these boundaries because once we go past these boundaries, I'm going to start becoming an unhappy person. So one of the first things I did when I decided that I was going to change my, all my socials uh, work uh, statements to be this head crossroad for my bucket list, I decided I was going to tackle um, one of the things that had been in my brain and on my heart for a long time to do, which is the Camino de Santiago, which is a 790-kilometer trek across northern Spain. It usually takes about 30 to 35 days to complete it. And um, so I went last August, and I, I did that for – four and a half weeks or so, um, a ton of great people. But when I came home, I had made this Instagram reel and it was basically just a slideshow of all my um, selfies that I had taken with everybody that I met along the way. And I showed it to someone that I had worked with for four and a half years. And after she was done watching it, she said, I've, the first things that came out of her mouth were, I've never seen you that happy. And I, and I was just, I was super sad, right? I mean, I'm like, yeah, well, I, I was glad that she saw that I was happy because I was, I was enjoying myself. I, I met some amazing people that I'm still friends with today uh, and intend to be for a long, long time. Um, but I was sad that over four and a half years, this person had never seen me. You know, this is somebody I liked at work, that we were close friends. We, you know, we helped each other. We supported each other. Um, and yet she says she'd never seen me that happy. And I decided I don't want anyone to ever meet me and not see that person that she saw in that video. And yeah. so that was when I kind of had to make the choice to say, okay, I'm, I'm going to take a year off from work. Um, I'm going to dip into my retirement fund and I'm only going to do things 
that that bring me joy. And so that's kind of where I'm at now. It's brilliant. It really is because I think what sometimes too what happens is we compartmentalize, you know, mm. you're in the work setting and you're like, this is work. This is what we do to make a living. But the truth, like you said, with the, the balance, which is just a misnomer, is we're integrated, dynamic human beings. It's mm-hmm. not about little boxes that we move into at different times, when you're being a whole person, Mm. fun can be something that is interspersed, whether it's a problem you're solving in the workplace or something that you're enjoying, like a stroll through the streets and appreciating what actually is around you because you're paying attention to it and you're not distracted by other things. And it doesn't have to be one or the other. Mm. And I do think that a lot of what you're describing is is a paradigm shift because and i'd be curious about your perspective and how you might change the conversation with youth today knowing the kind of conversations you've had for many years of youth that are asking for a roadmap to Mm -hmm. success because really in in america and i can't speak to how this discussion occurs elsewhere but it it is a when when you say success or you say achievement there there is steps you know associated with Mm -hmm. that and it is very linear and that's the reason for the path that is so commonly taken and it is when you deviate that you're the rebel like oh my gosh you didn't you know go away to college you didn't go away and get this piece of paper that says you now are capable of doing some other things you know so that's it's it takes though a big shift to to change the narrative and change the conversation with young people so that they they can still be good you know citizens in the world but are also living on terms that allow them to be happy human right. beings not just productive ones so right. you know what would you say to you know a young person that is 18 today and thinking about how how to do life meaningfully yeah, patience is like the biggest portion, I think, of this equation is to teach to uh, delay gratification. We don't do that very well in the United States, that you can have whatever you want, um, whenever you want it, from wherever you want it, um, pretty much a drop of a hat and the Amazon can get to you in three to seven days, right? And so we don't have a lot of delayed gratification being taught. And so what happens, I think, is students get money, get, get green in their, in their fingers, and they get, you know, addicted to that um, dopamine that you get when you purchase something, whether it's online or not. And, you know, we're definitely in a culture right now where, you know, it's okay to charge things and put it on, put it on and gain debt so you can have stuff. And so teaching young people that, you know, if you wait, if you just wait, right. And if you want to buy something, that's awesome. Buy it, buy it with cash, right. Make the money, save that money and buy it with cash. Um, Because you might find after, you know, a couple of months of trying to save for a new pair of Yeezys that you don't want them anymore. And that it's not as important as you thought it was. Mm -hmm. Um, 
fast fashion is just like the craziest thing. I, my brain can't even you know, phantom, you know, that, that there are 12 seasons now, you know, when I was in, when I was a young person in middle school and high school, there were, there were two seasons there was beginning of school year, right? You got new clothes at the beginning of the school year and you yeah. got new clothes beginning of the summer because you had grown, right? There were two seasons. Well, now there's 12 seasons. Every month stores are rotating their product and, and getting getting young people especially to say, I need to, I need whatever's new. I need whatever's new. And like I said, I, I'm not I'm not gonna tell people not to buy things, but Learning to live small and paying with cash is like one of the best things you can teach young people because it puts them in a position if they learn that skill early, then they can say, okay, do I really want this? Do I really need it? Because I've had to wait, right? It's it's kind of like me and tattoos, right? I don't I have a rule that I typically have only broken it once, but but I have a rule that you know I have to have the money saved to do it and I and I have to um, have thought about it for a while. And there's been a couple that I'm like, nah, I don't really want that. Right. I saved the money up and thought about and got something different or whatever, but I typically don't, I've never put a tattoo on a credit card. I've, you know, I've never, I've never except once um, had an idea for a tattoo and like gotten it the next day. I've only done that one time in 26 years that I've been tattooing myself or getting tattoos that, that I've done that. And it, and there's something about that process that forces you to like think about the purchase, right? We, we don't, you know, they used to call the, the gum rack by the checkout counter in the grocery store, the point of purchase sales, right? You, you can buy things and everything's a point of purchase sale, right? Now you, Instagram's a point of purchase. Um, Are you kidding Facebook me? All the darn ads they put on there. You're going on there. Next thing you know, you're, you you walk away with like, how did, how did I just spend 150 bucks on this thing that I didn't need? Because it's just advertised right there. I mean, that's like yeah. the day and day that we live in, right? And, it, and again, some things are, are kind of cool. Like uh, my partner is back in Seattle. And so I saw this ad on, I think it was Instagram or Facebook. I don't remember. I think it was on Facebook, but it's this little love box and it's got a little screen in it and it, you, she plugs it in and it's... I don't know if it's Bluetooth or Wi-Fi, or I think it's Wi-Fi, that I can. I have an app on my phone that sends her little messages, and there's a heart on the outside of the box that spins when she gets a message you know, from me, and she lifts the lid, and she can read the message, puts it down, goes away. So it's, so it's just it's a neat thing that we've used to kind of stay connected during this three, three months that I'm traveling around the world. And, and so it's not like everything is bad. It's not like consumerism is horrible. Right. I just think that people need to slow down a bit and just, and make better choices. And, and, and young people, especially they've got to learn that skill early because there's just so much um, that's, pointed at them to get them to become consumers so quickly. And I think that's one of the biggest things is learning to live small and, and have delayed gratification uh, because it can open that door, right? Like I didn't have a retirement fund the first 35 years that I worked. Right? I didn't think I needed it or I didn't wouldn't worry about it. Um, but if you can do those things early, then you can have the space later on to be able to say, okay, I'm going to, to do these things or, or even earlier than that, right? You can say, I'm going to take a couple of weeks of vacation and I'm going to go do these, these things that I want to do. Um, 
so yeah, I think it's I think it's learning to lay gratification and living as small as you possibly can. Yeah, I I, I love the the honesty in that because consumerism today. One of the first words I thought of as you were talking was, "It can be obsessive because mm. it's everywhere." So not only do you see these commercials on TV, but because we're in the age of social media, it's on TikTok, it's on you know what, all the different platforms. If it's yeah. not Facebook, you're on Instagram. If it's not Instagram, it's you know, tweeting, and whatever that people do. So <laughs> all of that, you know, Elon Musk is gonna whatever, maybe run that. So we'll find out what's gonna happen. But um, it's you know. Awesome keeping up with the Joneses because they've, you know, acquired this new thing. And, and, and all of a sudden now it's, you know, that that's a lot of what young people experience is it's, it is the dopamine that mm-hmm. is so constant of the next thing and the next thing. And it's there and remind you, they're not even acquiring the money to get these things independently yet. It's, right. it's the negotiation skills that they've probably improved tenfold compared to the generations prior to them because they are working with their parents and grandparents to to say, this is the reason why I need, not mm. want, I need this thing. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's going to do X for my life. And if I get this, then that means I can get good grades and do all the things you want me to do. So please just buy me these shoes and jeans and phone case and all of it, you know? Yeah. Yeah. I, I working with, with high school students for the last, you know, 10 years, it just absolutely floored me. I remember being in middle school and my parents not letting me take a comic book that I had to, to school. Like, don't take it. Don't take your comic. It cost me 50 cents, right? 45 yeah. cents. And it's like, don't take your comic book to school. Something might happen to it. Leave it home. Just leave your stuff at home. And now young people, uh, as early as 12, 13 years old, are walking around with these $1,000, $1,200 devices in their pockets. And there's no appreciation because they didn't have to pay for it. Right? I mean, you just put it on your bill. It just goes along. You know, you don't even see it. It goes on the phone bill and you never have to worry about it. And it's just like... Wow, that's so different from when I was, you know, when I was younger. And and I try not to blame them, um, their generation, uh, the millennials and the Gen Ys or whatever they're calling them. You know, they can't help what the social media companies have designed, right? Mm-hmm. They, it's it's by design to get you. To, to engage in this process, right? It's not, it's not a happenstance. It's not a side effect. It is the purpose, right? And so there was, I think there was a time like two years ago before the, before the pandemic where Silicon Valley was actively pursuing employees dr- that had been directly involved in the gambling industry in Las Vegas. If you had worked on a slot machine system in Las Vegas, you could get like the highest value job in Silicon Valley because you knew how to get people's dopamine. Algorithms. Algorithms. Yeah. But it's that, but it's the dopamine, right? I mean, it's like, I I remember when 
Facebook changed its notifications so that when you first logged on, when you first opened it up on your phone, there weren't any notifications. And then a couple seconds later, notifications popped up, right? It's that, that's intentional. That's not, that's not because the system didn't update quick enough because it will update like that, but it's just like, they did that so that I would sit there and go, oh, I didn't have any, I don't have any notifications. Oh, wait, I have notifications. And your sadness just turned right. into exuberance because That's there right. is that much that you need to get yeah. caught up on. So it's intentional, right? You can't, yeah. if you're using those systems, you can't help it. It's not yeah. your fault, right? That's not their generation's fault. Then, it's not like they asked for it. It's what they're, they've been given and it's what their parents and adults have also allowed them to be able to do. So yeah. It's for me, it's, you know, you've got, you just need to, you can have those things. You can have a phone, you can buy things that are, that are okay, but just have some delayed gratification and, yeah. and try to live as small as possible for sure. We're in the FOMO is designed. Fear of <laughs> yeah. missing out is designed. Like yeah. I cannot not click on the red dot and figure out what is happening out there. You know, um, yeah, I remember watching The Social Dilemma when that had come out, I, I, probably like two years ago at this point. And it was that, that whole thing of all of those, the Google, Facebook, all of the big companies, people who work for them, talking about two sides of the coin, the mm -hmm. double-edged sword. Because as much as it's the, the, the promotion, right? Mm -hmm. the, the case that's put out there is, this is about staying connected with the people you love, right? Because what is it? Another baby shower, <laughs> another wedding. Oh my gosh, look at, look at Suzanne. She just lost 10 pounds, Suzanne. You are lovely. That is awesome. So there is this thing that's like, look at this. It's this wonderful connection and you can compliment each other on all these accomplishments in life and, and these milestones. But in the background, while you're doing all this connecting, there's the marketing and the algorithms mm -hmm. and the clickbait and the I've seen you spent an additional 14 seconds on this, which means I know you like this. Therefore, I'm going to show you this. And it just takes you down this rabbit hole, right? <laughs> my favorite. Yeah, my favorite story was my dad was um, in his early 70s and we're on the phone. and He's trying to cut the cord for his cable company, right? He's finally, you know. Yeah. Not not tech savvy. He's trying to figure it out. And I think we spent like three or four hours on the phone over the course of a Saturday um, trying to figure it out. And we had finally got him to where he he knew what he wanted to do. We hung up the phone and he called me back 20 minutes later. And he's like, you will not believe this phone call that I just got. He goes, how does this happen? He got a phone call from his from his cable provider saying, Hey, you're a valued customer and we want you to, we want you to stay. So we're going to give you three free months of HBO. That wasn't random. <laughs> you know, as much as people want to think that's right. It's not random. He was searching online. He was looking at things. He was, you know, he was using his phone and they, you know, they've got it worked out. They pretty much know everything's going on with you. Right. I think that so many times people think that that algorithm is this massive thing that, that takes care of everybody, but it, they've got it pinpointed to like, it's you, they know yeah, you. <laughs> they exactly know. You want. Yeah. They always know. Just yeah. know this. And that's why, you know, and now there's new cultural introductions of the the 30-day cleanse from social media, mm -hmm. you know, and people are, are having to come up with ways to stay disconnected so they can get more connected to themselves, 
interestingly enough. So they're doing the, you know, either I'm not going to go on it. I'm going to disable my account for this long, or I'm going to, you know, do the whole screen time thing and only allow X amount of time because it's just not, you know, useful for me to spend every hour figuring out what's going on on Facebook or something. Um, yeah, and I, and, and I don't want to be that old guy, right? <laughs> like, I don't want to be the old guy that's like, you know, my lawn type thing. I, I am amazed, right? When I was when I was a teenager, you couldn't just go someplace on your own and like buy a plane You couldn't go on your own and reserve a hotel. You had to use a travel agent. There were these things oh, yeah. one long time ago They're called hard. a travel agent. You know that you would have to call and say, "Hey, I need a flight." And they would go, "Okay, where are you going? Where do you want to stay?" And we recommend these places. Like you couldn't just go on the internet on your own and do the research and figure out where you wanted to go and book flights and Airbnbs and all that stuff. You had to rely on somebody else and their recommendations. And now we, we have all this information. Like I tell students, I was telling students all the time, it's like you have every resource imaginable to you to go and do and see whatever you want to. You really do. You, you have, there are no limitations except money for you to be able to go out and see the world. And the same with communication, right? I mean, we're doing this right now. And yeah. um, we're in Italy. And, and I'm in Italy. That's right. <laughs> and so, and and so, you know, I, I remember um, uh, mid '90s. One of my best friends was in the U.S. military, stationed in Germany, and uh, that was like my my spending money for like a year and a half was just being able to call him once a month. Like that's like I didn't get to do anything else. Like you know, my, my my wife at the time was just like, yeah, you you spent your your allowance, you know, because it cost me sixty to sixty to a hundred dollars to talk to him for an hour on the phone, right? Every once a month. That's prioritization that right there. Yeah, and, and you're gonna take that and use it to actually connect in a meaningful right. way. Yeah, but but today there there are not there are zero limitations for us to be able to do that, right? The, for mm -hmm. me, going on doing the Camino, one of the things that I really wanted to try to uh, integrate into my life is expanding my my bubble of friends to people around the world, mm -hmm. and um, because there's no excuse that I can't talk and communicate and maintain these relationships because it doesn't cost me technically anything to be able to do that anymore. Right. I mean, I've, I've I think I've seen 16 or 17 Camino friends in the past two months since I've been on this trip. Wow. And, and so it's, you can do it. You can maintain those relationships. And, and I've been communicating with like half a dozen, dozen other others as well. Just yeah. say, Hey, I'm what's going on, what's happening. And, um, so there's just no excuse to to uh, be able to maintain relationships. So there's really good things about the internet, um, along with the bad. There's also really good things. And so how do you learn how to use those good things? Like one of the things is as a you know someone who attempts to use the internet as far as podcasting and be having an Instagram account to support that podcast. You know, it's just like. Uh, I know you see the, I know you see this 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 post. Just just like it. It's not that big of a deal. Yeah. <laughs> That's one of the yeah. things that drives me crazy is that 
why are you holding back pressing the like button? Why are you holding it? Like it's a form of currency or something and people don't want to release it. And then that's just like, it's just like, just all you're doing is letting somebody know, Hey, I see you. Why wouldn't you want to do that? Right. Why mm -hmm. wouldn't you want to let somebody know, Hey, I see you. I see, I see what's going on. It doesn't, doesn't mean you have to marry the person. It just means it's, that you, it's you're it's saying, acknowledgement. I see you. Yeah. Yeah. And who doesn't, who doesn't want that? But yet we, we just, you know, we, there's something about doing that, that people hold on to that. Like, like it's like, they're not like, they don't have an, uh, uh, an infinite amount. There's a, there's a quota. I can only do this much <laughs> yeah. today. Okay. This is all, this is all I've got five of them and I'm giving them out sparingly. Um, but that, you know, that's true. And, and I, you know, one of the things that I'd like to take away from this conversation is, you know, because you're talking about intentionality, I'm thinking about intentional spontaneity, right. intentional spontaneity. So mm -hmm. intentionally going somewhere, you know, or intending for an experience, but having some flexibility and adaptability for that to do more of what the moment calls for. So there's, you do have to book a flight, get to the place. There are some dates yeah. associated with it. So there is some level of structure, but something that says, I'm going to do a little bit as I go. There's a couple of landmarks. There's a couple of things that, yes, that's on the list. But, you know, in between all of that, I'm just going to be, just going to be and, and follow what my heart and my instincts and my gut tells me seems to be a great idea at this time. You know, I, I, I think that there's, that is like a cool way for me to think of some of these these things where you can have a plan, but there could be some adventure and spontaneity in that plan that doesn't feel so yeah. like a job like you were talking about earlier. Yeah, it's it's intentionally holding space for the unknown. Mm -hmm. Right. That's that's the way I would say that. It's a, it's you know, you don't know what's gonna happen, right? And um, I was recently a couple weeks ago in Israel uh, visiting a friend for a couple of days and he was only available one of the two days that I was there. And so I got on the train one day that he was working and I rode the train from Tel Aviv to, to Jerusalem. I walked from the train station to, down to the Muslim quarter and I walked around a little bit and, you know, walked back and I was just open to whatever happened in that space, right? I knew where I was going. I knew what I kind of wanted to see, but I wasn't planning it out minute to minute and holding space for whatever came my way. And one of those things was having lunch in a hundred year old restaurant, right? This restaurant's been in the Muslim quarter for a hundred years same family own it the whole time. And I was able just to, to sit there outside having this amazing meal and, and just watching people go by and watching the young Israeli soldiers across the street, you know, holding their post and seeing young Muslim boys done with school, you know, walking by in their Jordans and their Nirvana t-shirts. I mean, it was just, I got the chance just to, just to really see what was going on. And that is, that is holding that space for the unknown. Yeah. So much richness mm. can come from that, you know? Uh, and, and it, it is a little bit of this blend because we're, we're very much taught in the Western world um, 
to be planners. Uh, and they're, and they're like, you know, there's, there's a lot of good in that to, to not necessarily just blow in the wind and, you know, figure out, <laughs> you know, or it's taking you somewhere. Um, but I, I love the delayed gratification because, and, and I'm fine with dating myself and talking about things like it sounds older because I've, I've come to this recognition that that is just part of life, you know? So when I have conversations with people and they don't know what a Walkman is or what a record player is or a boom box or a tape cassette, I'm okay with that. And I will explain to you what my childhood looked like because we had all of those things and you had to wait. I used the payphone. Yes, I did. <laughs> I didn't have, you know, certain technology as an adolescent. And so you had to wait. You did not text immediately. There wasn't, you know, in a nanosecond, you, you could tell somebody something. You I waited all the way through school periods, which have, you know, it, it's the same as it is today, a whole day. Now until like 4 p.m., I could go to the payphone or just wait till I got home to use a landline to, to do the communicating. So it, it is different. <laughs> so, you know, those of us who had to go through these different generations um, have both of those perspectives of what it was like to have to wait and then now having a different appreciation for the things that come more instantaneously because it is very convenient. You can't, yeah. if you do want to get your groceries like in a couple hours and you didn't have to go get it. And I, it makes sense. There's a pandemic. Why wouldn't you want certain things delivered because it's safer or whatever it is? So there's a reason for everything. But I, I do think that there's just a, a communication so so we can have an appreciation for all of all of the good because everything's a yin and a yang. There's a positive and a, and a negative to everything. And I think as good consumers, as good human beings that want to have the opportunity to, like you're talking about, be global citizens, because I do think that, you know, getting outside of our own box, if you're in another country and your dream is to come visit America or you're in America and your dream is to go somewhere in Asia or in Europe, mm -hmm. it does broaden your perspective culturally around how things are done, how we can communicate. And then we just try to share in some of those universal things like. Facebook Messenger or WhatsApp or, you know, whatever it is that you could be anywhere and use these different tools. So I, I you know, I, you know, anyone listening to the conversation, I, the, the point is that it's about perspective. It's not right. saying, you know, a knock on, on technology and what it's done for us or a knock on ambition and, and trying to, you know, be someone that accomplishes things. And, and, and maybe it is the ma mansion and the cars and all this stuff, but it is, it is more so about living life in a way that is integrated and allows you to have experiences and not be just putting in these 80 hour weeks so that way, after 65, hopefully you have enough energy to go and do these things that you've been, you know, dreaming about because you spent all this time breaking your back working in some sort of job. Yeah. And the, the two things I would say to that is um, I was talking to a young 19-year-old guy the other day and uh, 
He, he said, well, one of the things I, on, my, on my list is I want to own a, a jet plane. I'm like, well, that's cool. So are you going to park it in your driveway and just let people see it as they drive by in your neighborhood? Or what's, what do you, why do you want that? And he said, no, I want, I want to be able to go places and take my friends and my family and, and go and see things. Okay, great. Then set out your goal and, and figure out how you're going to achieve it and call me when you get it because I'd like to go some places with you, right? <laughs> I mean, it's just like, that's, it's okay to have those kind of goals. Um, but it's making sure that the reasoning behind them, right, the intention behind having those goals and those passions and, and are um, more than just to have them. And I think that's super important. Yeah. No, I, I agree. I totally agree with you. So as somebody who is crossing off your bucket list at this time, <laughs> what else is there next? So you've, you know, you've gone to Israel, you've been in Italy, you've had these travels, you did the, the, the 30, you know, the four and a half weeks of the, the tour that you wanted to do. Well, what's, what's some of the next things that are coming up? Uh, well, I'm, I'm currently writing a book. Um, that was one of the things that I wanted to do while I was on this trip. It's why I picked some cities where it wasn't, you know, tons of tourist things to do um, so that I could spend some time writing a book. So I've been doing that. Hopefully that'll come out by hopefully July or August of this year. And uh, so I've got that. I um, recently got knuckle tattoos, crossed that off my list. Uh, coming up, uh, I'm going to be... Um, uh, crossing, finally crossing off all 50 states. Um, that was something I was going to add to, to what you were saying earlier is that, you know, it doesn't have to be this grand, you know, European adventure that like I'm on, you know, the, the United States is pretty diverse. And, and if you live in Indiana, it's a lot different in New York and, than it is also in Seattle as mm -hmm. it is in New Orleans or Miami or, you know, El Paso or, you know, Madison, you know, our country is like massively diverse, um, geographically diverse, um, as well as economically and socioeconomically and cultural diverse as well. But there's a ton of stuff to see in the United States. And the average American only visits like 12 states or something like that. It was when I heard that statistic, I was like, wow, that's incredible to me because I got to like 46 without trying. So, so I was, I mean, intentionally, you know, going to each state. And so I, I think that, that we have that space, even locally inside the U.S., where we could say there's a lot of diversity here um, and, and we can widen our bubble by, by just traveling inside the United States. You don't have to, like, go all around the world to, to expand your, your world perspective. You can do that inside the United States and get as, just as much of a diverse, you know, maybe not language-wise, but, you know, diversity as far as culturally. Our country is massively diverse. Yeah. And I would highly recommend for people just to, to do that because um, it's, it's so – there's so much to see and so much to hear and so much to do inside yeah. the States. So I'm looking forward to finally crossing out. I got two more States uh, and I'll be done. I got Alaska, North Dakota. So I'm, I'm looking at uh, crossing those off my list. Yeah. It and couldn't be the furthest places from each other. That's great. Um, 
but but yeah so there's those things i've got um punk rock bowling is on my list uh, if you're not familiar with punk rock bowling i'm hopefully gonna do that this year it's a uh, it's a punk rock music festival in las vegas that they have every year you're and coming to my neck of the woods i'm in las vegas that's awesome punk rock bowling that is really yeah cool. so it's 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 this music festival but it's, along with that it's also a bowling tournament for charity so you could like wind up playing next to your favorite punk rock musician you know and i just want to go play i've got some friends that have said yeah i'll do it and everyone's like when they first talk about it, they're like i'm not very good i'm like i'm not good either i just want to play. have fun yeah, we're just gonna go and have fun, and whatever happens, have we're gonna get some nice shirts made, and it'll be hysterical. So, um, yeah, those are some of the things that are on my list currently, and, and but I've got a lot of stuff on my list. So, I'm just yeah, but, yeah but that's but you're living it. That's the key. Yeah. It's you're living it. It's not this this list that you know you just have to stare at. You actually get to you know every month do something different. Well, that's, and that's the thing. About, yeah, and that's the thing about the bucket list is that it's there to for it to be crossed off, right? The items are on your list so that you can cross yeah. them off. You wouldn't create a to-do list at work and just let it sit there and not do the things on the to-do yeah. list. You know, buckle You'd be an epic failure. Yeah. <laughs> if you didn't cross yeah. anything <laughs> off at work, you wouldn't have a job anymore. So, you know, treat, treat your life the same way you prioritize the things you do at work. Then you're, then you're yeah. on to something because then you're prioritizing the things that actually matter to you. Yeah, and that can bring you joy. I think that's the biggest part of it. Is that that's <laughs> yeah. what that's what it's about. It's about it's about being joyful, and and when you're joyful, then that spreads to other people. And I think that's super important for everyone to to not get so caught up in the the grind that they can't be joyful. And and we we need a ton more of that uh, in our world right now. A ton more of joy. So so much, Roger. What's a self limiting belief? that you've had, that you've had to overcome? Oh, um, <clears throat> wow. Th there could be lots of answers to this question, I think. Um, I, I think one of the biggest ones was that to, to travel, especially internationally, like I had to learn languages. Mm -hmm. um, I'm never, I'm, I'm, I'm never rude, right? Um, but you know, English is spoken a lot of places. I've been to Thailand and never had a problem. I mean, I learned some basic Thai, but it wasn't, you know, like I was fluent in any way. I, I know some Italian, not a lot. <laughs> um, but in, even in, when I was in Spain, I, I learned some because I was there for, you know, a whole month. But I didn't learn a ton. And I think that that used to hold me back, that I, if I was going to go someplace that I wanted to make sure that I could speak the language. And, and you know, that that's is a, you learn more of the language by in it, being in it and having to, to try to figure it out on the fly than you would if you're like, okay, I'm going to use drops or Duolingo or, you know, that, that just doesn't really work for me. So I, I, I think that held me back for a long time to travel internationally. Yeah. Yeah, I'm. I'm glad you're braving it out there and helping all of us see, though, that it's okay to to fumble a little bit. You'll make it through. There's enough yeah, things I, that you can learn, right? Yeah, as long as you're as long as you're polite about it. I think that's yeah. you know, that's the, the biggest part of it. 
yeah, don't don't be a rude American, but yeah, you know, uh, people just will be polite people and give you some grace if you can be kind. Yeah, well, I think the two things I usually wind up saying are, you know, um, with someone when I'm in another country and somebody apologizes because they can't speak English, I'm like, oh my gosh, don't apologize to me. This is your country. I'm the one that should be apologizing to you. Just kind of being humble about it. Right. I think goes a long way. And then the other thing that happens to me, especially when I was in Spain a lot, was that my European friends would like try to explain things to me. Like they would Euro-splain things to me. <laughs> like I didn't, just because I was American, I didn't know what, <laughs> what things were. And so I wound up always saying, you know, I'm American. I'm not stupid. Right. And which they thought was just absolutely hysterical. So, <laughs> so <laughs> you know, you kind of have to be humble about it. And, Yeah. No, no, no. I love that. <laughs> have some humility and have a sense of humor, but be kind. Right. Um, what would you say is one yeah. of your, what would you say is one of your superpowers? What's something that you're proud of that you're good at? Oh, geez. Um, yeah, it's relationship building. Um, and that is, uh, a superpower that I inherited from my father. Um, he was uh, always genuine with people and he listened and um, was able to use what he heard later with people to make them feel like that they had been heard. And that was, I think, the real... Um, essence of his abilities that if you had talked to my dad once, you know, you, you could come back two months later and he'd be like, how's that thing going for you? I mean, he would just, that, that memory and just being intentional about listening to people um, for purpose, not just to listen to them and be like, mm -hmm, yeah, mm -hmm, sure. Yeah. Mm -hmm. um, but, to, but to really get to know people through listening to them. Yeah. But I would really say that's probably and I and I definitely inherited it. I did not create it. It did not just happen to me. Um I watched my dad for fifty-two years um be a super good friend to people. And um I always just wanted to emulate that. I was always impressed by it. My I have best friends um that I've had for almost thirty-seven, thirty-eight years. Uh and I have friends that have had, had less than a year that I'm you know, I talk to two, three times a month. So, um, yeah, relationship building is definitely the superhero power I, I inherited. Yeah. I wish more people had that. I really do. Um, but that, you know, I, I will, I will hope for more of that. Cause that is, that is really, you know, at the, at the beginning of this episode, uh, I mentioned that you had experienced difficulties, you know, you, you had two heart attacks. Uh, and my question for you was, you know, what makes you unbreakable despite the different challenges and hardships that you've experienced? I think what makes me unbreakable is that I have gotten rid of negative self-talk Mm -hmm. Um, and that's a, that, it's a daily choice, right? It's a, it's a thing that I have to do on a regular basis. And 
I don't want to say that I'm into like yes culture, like you just say yes to everything. Mm-hmm. But the, I think we have this thing embedded in us where we're kind of taught as a, in our, fly, our fight and flight methods that to always think the worst or the negative thing first, mm. whether it's about other people or it's about ourselves. Like we, we think about, Oh my gosh, what, what are the consequences going to be? It's like, what, you know, and I've just decided that <clears throat> I'm not uh, my, my default is not going to be what's the risk. What, what's the damage that could, this could cause, but it's, going to be what's the joy that I can get out of this yep and so an example of that would be a, a walking along the Camino de Santiago there's there's kilometer markers like every kilometer or so there's markers that kind of point the way but also tell you how far you are from from completing the walk and to get a certificate of completion you have to walk at least a hundred kilometers so the hundred kilometer mark, marker is like the Instagram marker. It's like everybody gets their picture taken there. And I had gotten there late that day. So there was nobody else around and I was with my partner and I said, I want to take a naked selfie here. It's a hundred kilometer marker. Awesome. And she was like, she, she knows now enough about, you know, to be like, okay, I'm not going to stop you. You're going to do this, you know, but there's so many things in my head that had I, yeah, after I did it and posted it on Instagram, <laughs> I, I, you know, then then all the things came flooding in. It's like, oh my gosh, I could lose my job. You know, <laughs> students might see this. You know, but my first thoughts were like, this will be funny. I want to do this. I've never seen anybody else do this. This will be funny and cool, and it's something I'll, you know I'll take away and remember that nobody else has. And so. I didn't, you know, I didn't allow myself to be caught up in that, in the, in the why nots, mm-hmm. but, but decided that, you know, for most of my life now, my goal is to say, okay, there's this opportunity in front of me. What joy is that going to bring me? Yeah. Um, it's okay. It's okay to say if there's no joy involved, then chuck it. But at the same time, that's more going to be my default. What's the joy I can receive out of this? Um, whether it's having a relationship, going and visiting someplace or, writing a book or whatever it is, what, what's the joy do I receive out of it? And that, that has helped me get rid of that, the negative self-talk that I've allowed for so many years to be like, you can't do this. You can't do that. Here are the 15,000 reasons why. Um, yep. So I'm, I hope that's what makes me unbreakable. Oh yeah. That is huge. Sometimes it, it does feel like it takes a lifetime to change how you talk to yourself, how you perceive yourself, how you think of yourself. So that's that's actually quite, quite big. Uh, but Roger, what, if you had to give a last piece of advice mm. to anyone listening, what would that be? It's probably just to restate, to find your self-worth outside of your, how you sell your labor and who you sell it to. I think it's so vital and so important. Um, you know, I heard I heard somebody quote the other day. It said, "You know, there's seven billion people that need to change what success looks like." And I think that's a true statement. But how do you do that for yourself, right? I mean, the change change ultimately starts with us as individuals, 
And so that's what I would suggest people do is just to find their self-worth outside of, you know, working. There's nothing wrong with working. There's nothing wrong with being a hard worker. There's nothing wrong with being a good employee. But find your ultimate self-worth outside of that time frame. Yeah, that's big. That's huge. Roger, where can people find you? Where can they follow your adventures and keep up with yeah. your book and everything else that's coming? <laughs> yeah. Um, the, the best place is uh, Instagram or Facebook. You can find me on Instagram at crosser.offer. And you can find me on Facebook at backslash Crosser Offer. That's where I post about my, my podcast and pictures and images and stuff about what I'm doing out and what I'm crossing off my list. And then um, encourage folks, uh, if you're looking for inspiration, I have a podcast called Crossing It Off. Um, and it's all about other people's experiences crossing off items off their list. So I have a new guest every week who has crossed wow. a single item off their list. And we talk about that, how they did that, why they did it all that kind of stuff and what it's meant to them to cross that off. Uh, it's just super fun and it's super inspirational. I've had guests um, that have been on game shows that wanted to be on a game show. I had a guest that's an artist who wanted to raise a million dollars through her artwork. I had a, a woman over 60 that wanted to learn tap dance. So it's all across the board and it's, um, it's a great way to be inspired. If you're looking to do one of the things um, that a guest has done, it's a great way place to get information, but at the same time, it's also just encouragement to listen to other people and how they've uh, lived in their lives to cross items off their list. Oh, that is stellar. That is really awesome. You've been such an inspiration. I'm grateful for taking the time when you could be doing something out there in Italy. You had this <laughs> conversation with me. So, you know, I, I'm looking forward to seeing the next set of things that you do. I think it's Thanks. amazing. Um, and, and I really do think that you're helping so many of us that are, that have tuned in to, you know, think differently and to put ourselves first. So this has been awesome. Yeah, most definitely. I think that's, that's the key right there. You said it. Roger Williams. That was one of the dopest episodes. Oh my gosh. How inspired are you to cross things off your bucket list, but not even wait what can you do? This is my ask of you today. What can you do that is on your bucket list that you can accomplish in the next 90 days? Next 90 days. Is it money that you have to save? Is it time that you need to take off? Is it planning for a trip or an experience? Take action on that. He is living proof. Obviously, he did it in his own way after just a little bit after 50 years old and some different experiences and epiphanies that pushed him to take this adult gap year. I love the title of that. <laughs> and he's right. That is not uncommon in certain cultures or times in life. And I, I don't think it needs to be associated with one specific thing. If you have the means and the ability to do that, sooner rather than later why not why not take the time to do that that is incredible incredible that would be my first ask my big takeaway is his great point about delayed gratification the fact that 
It may take a little bit of time and it may take a little bit of planning, but you can execute on things that you want in life. It doesn't have to be this minute and it doesn't have to be outside of your means. There are far too many times when people are maxing out credit cards, doing something to keep up with someone else or a group of people to prove that you're capable of purchasing something or experiencing something at the sacrifice of your debt. You don't have to do that. You can do things on your own terms and at your own pace within reason and still have incredible experiences. Just know that. Make life about you. Make it about getting better every day for you. The people that you love, the people that are immediately around you. So cool. Definitely follow Roger. You can check the show notes for where to find him. Become a crosser offer yourself. We all have it in us to do a little bit better at that. Remember that you are your only limit and take action today. Happy spring. I really do hope that you're getting out there into more adventure now that the weather is starting to change depending on the part of the world you're in. It may still be a little cold and rainy and things like that, but don't let that stop you. We are living life today. We can make choices today to get up, get out, do something good, do something fun. So, so make it happen. Make it happen. And I will see you next time on another inspiring episode of the Born Unbreakable podcast. Don't forget to follow, subscribe, rate, and review.